welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus and the everyday, normal rhythms of life. I've got three gentlemen on the podcast with me today. Guys, would you introduce yourselves? How's it going, Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director? Sam Schmidt, Pastor at Sacred City Moline. Kevin Kinor, Biblical Counselor. All right. We're going to talk about something that I've been thinking about for a little while. And uh, it's basically the unique challenges and opportunities for each stage of life when it comes to discipleship. So discipleship is the process of following Jesus, right? And every stage of our life, every stage of development, we're going to have unique opportunities there, and we're going to have uh, unique challenges there. And I'm 44, going to be 45 here soon this summer. Yeah, I'm getting up there. I've got teenagers and I've got still got some little kids, but I've been through enough of these seasons and I've been leading a church now and I've been in ministry for about 20 years, leaving leading this church for about 12 years that I've been, that I've noticed how each of these seasons of life, the, the challenges to discipleship and the opportunities for discipleship are just a little bit different. Right. And so, um, Let's just start out when we're kids. We're, we're, we're kids. We don't know anything, right? Mm-hmm. And so what are the challenges to discipleship when you don't know anything? <laughs> Feels like everything you do is wrong. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> all you're doing is, well, I, I, I say all you're doing, but from a child, a lot of times it feels like, well, all I'm doing is getting correction, getting tasks. We would say getting discipled, right? But that kind of... Um, navigation of the world that they live in, learning everything from from language to, to etiquette. To how do we function in the liturgy of this home? Yeah, so there's a lot of mistakes made. Yeah. You're learning language. You're learning everything, yeah. right? Hopefully you have a parent who's teaching you scripture, and you're learning not just who God is and what he's done, but who you are, how he made you, what you're supposed to behave, how you're supposed to obey your parents, what does that look like, what are the laws of God, you know, Ten Commandments, all of it. So when you're a kid, you're just learning all this stuff, right? And you're exploring all these these different things. Now, there has recently been, like, this push in the church world to disciple your kids in a gospel-centered way, mm. right? Give them the gospel, give them the gospel, give them the gospel. And I don't, and I, I think that's good. We want, of course, to teach our kids the gospel, but our kids don't know the law. Right. Our kids don't know how to work hard. Mm-hmm. And we have a whole book in the Bible called Proverbs that is full of a whole lot of things more than gospel. Yeah. And I started thinking about, man, the book of Proverbs, in one sense, it's like the parenting manual. Yeah, for sure. It's the, it's the manual that we're to go to and to teach our kids these little one-liners that, are, that stick with them their whole life, Right. The lazy person doesn't plant in, in, in season, right? And he's surprised or he, he, a little folding of the hands to rest, a little folding of the hands for slumber and poverty jumps on him mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. What's he saying? Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll mm-hmm. do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And then all of a sudden he's missed his opportunity and, you know, and, and now he's poor, yeah. right? We didn't get poor overnight. It took a, a long time of procrastination and not making decisions before yeah. poverty jumped on us. Mm-hmm. Now, 
our kids need to be taught those things. Yep, our yep. kids need to be taught that type of principle because that's the way God made the world. Mm -hmm. Now, do they need the gospel? Yes, but as a kid, you need both. Yep. You need clear instruction from the Bible, how to be a man, how to be a woman, how should I dress, right? What's appropriate, what's not appropriate, how do I talk, all of these things. And so parents must give their kids, we would say, the law, mm -hmm. yeah. give their kids the teaching, mm -hmm. right? They, they, need, they, they need to lead with that. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, as Kevin mentioned, the kids are going to make mistakes, and that's primarily where the gospel comes in mm -hmm. and reminds them that they're loved, that Christ died for them, yeah. that he's going to empower them with the Holy Spirit to obey, mm -hmm. all these different things. Mm -hmm. I think there's another piece that uh, we may have uh, missed on here is um, also being an example. Um, because I think for a lot of kids, they you, you read to them a lot, um, but for them, like they're the only Jesus they you're the only Jesus they see, and mm -hmm. how you're living your life and how you're actually going about your everyday um, regular rhythms in your liturgy, um, they're actually watching and they're seeing. Yeah. yeah. So l let's just say, being a kid, being a little kid. It's just, there's so much you have to learn. You're making mm -hmm. so many yeah. mistakes. A lot of ignorance. A lot of ignorance. It's a lot of chaos, right? Yep. And you, if, you, this, if we're talking about us, we're little kids and our parents are sinners too. Yep. And so our parents are never going to be Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and so if, they, if we think of them as Jesus to us, they're going to definitely let us down because right. they're not Jesus. Yeah. And so we... You know, we're little. Our parents are probably a little bit younger. You know that, that, and so they're not. They're not. They're just trying to figure it out, do the best yeah. that they can. Mm. Okay. So then you get up into the teen years. Teen years, they got their own challenges. Now we're going to say right off the bat, you know, it's a lie from the devil to believe that your teen is going to rebel and is going to walk away from God and is going to act the fool and going to do yeah. a bunch of dumb stuff. That's a lie from the devil that people have said who primarily send their kids to public school and wonder why they come out like little Romans, yeah. right? Or like little, um, you know, you don't hand your kid over to Caesar and not expect him to come out like a Roman. Yeah. You don't hand your kid over to a godless, sex-crazed, you know, perverted school system and expect them not to come out with some wounds mm -hmm. and some damages and some funk attached to them, right? And so... If we're raising our kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord, if we're keeping them away from the companion of fools, like Proverbs teaches us, yeah. if we're guarding their, you know, the influence of the enemy in their life when it comes to technology mm -hmm. and all the ways that he wants to attack them, we're keeping our head on a swivel with the development of our kids and, and we're you know, giving them the gospel, teaching them the word of God, we can stand on the promises of God that our kids are, that our kids are going to walk with Jesus. Not that they're not going to sin. They're, of course they're going to sin. They're going to have bumps in the road and yeah. hit some difficulties. But, um, but at teenage, the teenage time, the stuff that you've put them in, in the kids now, now needs to be disciplined and discipled and you, you hold them accountable. Mm -hmm, you have yeah. to constantly just remind them and remind them and remind them. One thing that we say to my kids all the time, when, anytime they're leaving the house, they, it's like a joke now. Just remember who you are mm. and who you represent. Yeah. Yeah. Like you are a Christian, you are a dean, you represent God, you represent this family, and you better remember that wherever you go, yeah. you know? And it's a lot of reinforcing those behaviors. It's rewarding the good behaviors, positive reinforcement, encouraging them. And this is from a parent's perspective. This season of discipleship looks different because you, you, you can't, I mean, spanking's past, right? Like mm -hmm. if they get teenagers, spank, spanking's in the rear view. And we need to begin shaping our kids for the future. Yeah, yeah. 
So seeing what they're good at, mm -hmm. seeing what they're not good at, um, encouraging them to shore up some of those weaknesses, but some of those weaknesses, maybe they're terrible at math. They might mm -hmm. always be terrible at math, and that's not a big deal, but we should definitely not encourage them to go be a math major if that's, if that's, if that's the case, right? right. Or be an, try to be an accountant or something. But seeing what they're good at and then trying to push them along to now embrace the principles that we taught them as a kid. You can teach a kid all about hard work, but they're never going to learn it until they've actually got to do the hard work. Right. And for us, that's like when he can push a lawnmower, when yep. she can push a lawnmower, when she can clean a toilet, you know, like when she can do chores and things like that. Mm. Now you got to actually start enforcing these types of behaviors to instill them, right? Yeah. It's the difference between knowing and doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you don't really know it until you can do it. Yeah. Another challenge in that age is when you, you have, it's like an inquisitive stage of life where there starts to be questions about, is this actually true? Like, I've heard this stuff from you, mom and dad, or I've heard this from, you know, at church. Is this actually true? And you're, they're standing in between two worlds, the world of sanity and people who are holding fast to the word of God and, and the world of insanity, which there's bits of exposure to. And they're trying to figure out and make sense of all of it. And so they start asking more questions. So you do, do like your conversations go more from the instructive. There's still instruction for sure. But with younger kids, it's the instructive, this is the way it is. And then it transitions into, this is why the way it is. This is why it works. This is why mm -hmm. God tells us to do this and not that. And here are the, you know, you follow this path out. Here are the outcomes that you're going to have one way or the other. So there's some of the, that kind of inquisitive stuff that you have to be prepared for. You start questions and, about sexuality. and Yeah. And trying to get them to think critically right. themselves. So you're asking a lot of questions. Yes. You know, why do you, why do you think like that? And then you, and, and our table is a place of rigorous debate. That's not true, dad. Okay. Let's talk about it. Prove it. As, asking questions, going back and forth, bringing up illustrations on the phone. See, look at this. That, that, you know, it's right here. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Um, one of the things that we're doing as our kids get older is we have a family text thread and all the crazy stuff that I see, uh, not all of it, but some of the crazy stuff I see, mm -hmm. I send them links to it. So they can see it because I want them to realize that we're not in neutral world, yeah. you know, that there really is an enemy and there yeah. really are crazy people. And if you go down this path, you go down the path of insanity mm -hmm. and you go down the path of chaos. Today I came across, uh, uh, there was an Amazon ad for a new cartoon. It looks like a teenage style cartoon. And the whole cartoon was about, basically it was a reverse origin story. So it took our origin story from Genesis and it, it actually made Satan into the good guy. And Eve, who was deceived by Satan, she became Lilith, which is the goddess of feminism, the devil's wife. And she was trying to save humanity. And basically the demons are the good guys. And it was this whole like cartoon trying to paint Satan and demons as the good, the good ones. Mm -hmm. And God and the angels as the bad guys. Yeah. And I wanted to, I just sent that to my family. And I'm like, take a minute, read this or watch this. And I'm, we're going to discuss it tonight at dinner. Because I want them to see, like, what? There's people yeah. that are, like, people with enough money mm -hmm. to create this high-quality yeah. uh, series that's going out on Amazon right and now. I think what's culture. important, too, about the, the text the texter with your family, even if you're doing a devotion, whatever it is, like, you, even when they're texting back, you can see their point of view of, of what they're learning with their friends and people they're hanging around and, like, actually hear their voice of where they're at and if they're right on or if they're just a little off and you can kind of bring some correction to that and, and give them vision from scripture. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So by the teenage years, I want to be giving freedom to my kids so they can make some mistakes, but not enough freedom to kill themselves. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't want to give them enough freedom to, to, you know, shipwreck their lives. Yeah. And so, so we don't do social media. We don't do social media because social media, you could post something on social media and that thing can come back to haunt you 10 years down mm -hmm. the road and a job interview and something like that. And so we think that's too much rope. That's, enough, that's too much rope for our kids. And so we, we fight the fight often of no, no social media. All right. So kids are coming into their own. They're embracing their faith in their own. They need to be challenged with different um, questions. We do apologetics and push back on worldview, different things. I want my kids to be able to be, be able to start fighting. I want them to be able to start fighting and pushing back on bad ideas and, and negative worldviews and different things at this time. And then the kids, you, you kind of get up and you, and you, let's say you're out of the house, you're, you're 18 to 24 or whatever, you're single, you're single. Now this season of life has got its own discipleship challenges, right? You're kind of out from your parents' authority mm -hmm. in one sense. Maybe you're at college, maybe you're doing an internship, maybe you get your own place, maybe you're still living at your parents' house. But what are some challenges for you guys for the single person? What are some discipleship challenges for the single person? Well, there, when you start to get more slack on the leash, there's the proclivity, proclivity to want to go and see how far it can take you. Mm. And so as you, you know, as you're saying, come out from under mom and dad's domain to some degree, you're wanting to push the envelope a little bit if, if you're in that, still in that spot of questioning a lot of things. So you can see a lot of uh, licentiousness mm. kind of start to kick in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially if the parents were kind of legalistic, yep. yeah, really controlling, mm -hmm. um, and didn't prepare their child well. So I want my kid to hate the world in, in that sense. I don't want the world to be like, I don't want, legalism basically says there's all that fun out there, stop it. Mm -hmm. I want my kids to say that's hell out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't want it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm feeding my teenagers this stuff to show if you follow that way, this is what you get. Mm -hmm. Right. You, you get craziness, you get brokenness, you yeah. get hurt, you get pain. Yeah. I want my kids to love what God loves. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully my kids won't have too long a period of being single because they're going to, yeah. my kids are already, they want to get married early. They want to have a big family. They want these things, but singleness, you're out from the authority of your parents. And, and many times if your parents didn't good, do a good job of, of raising you and discipling you and directing you, this is a very confusing time. Yeah, for yep. sure. Don't know what to do with your life. Don't know what you should pursue. You know, you're you, you, you probably got some bad habits of laziness and staring at your phone, spending too much money, and you got to learn some hard lessons. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I, I was a pretty disciplined person, but I had hard lessons to learn. Mm -hmm. We all do when we're young and yeah. single. You know, not changing my oil and my engine blows and just stupid, stupid stuff mm -hmm. like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but as a single person, this is, now nobody's going to, people hate this because when you're single you're like how are oh man i'm so busy everything's so hard everything's so difficult but when you're young and you're single you actually have more free time than you probably will ever have until you know you're old and retired yeah and what most young people want to do is they want to maximize their entertainment mm -hmm. they want to maximize their fun time mm -hmm. and that's the, the stupidest thing you could possibly do at this season in your life. Yeah. At this season in your life, those who win are the ones 
who narrow their focus, who focus in, who lean into their church community, who lean into their missional community, who begin to ask the men and women around them, whoever it is, if they're a man, asking the men around them, what do you think I should do with my life? If yeah. you're not certain, what do you think I should do with my life? Yeah. You got any opportunities for me? Finding a trade, finding a niche, whatever that thing is, throwing yourself into it and using 90% of that free time to be to hit warp speed on your, not only your discipleship, yep. your understanding of scripture, your understanding of theology, mm-hmm. but now is when you need to be studying what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean? Need, what, do you, what do I need to be a godly husband? Yeah. You want to be the man before you find the girl, yeah. Yeah. right? And Not think, after the fact. And I think even with uh, being a part of your, your community is those, those men or women are going to help point out some of your talents and your gifts so that you can start pursuing um, that career that maybe you don't even know of those talents and gifts that you have, but they're calling them out and you're doing some of those trades with people in the church and you're just kind of working those things yeah. out. And listen, as a young man, here's one of the negatives. Oftentimes, older guys don't come along younger side, come come along the side of a younger man and say, hey, man, come follow me. Hey, mm-hmm. I'll help you. So what you have to do as a young man or a young woman is you have to find those people and you say, will you mentor me? Yeah. Will you teach me how to do that? Will you help me change a tire? Will you help me tell me how to change my oil? Mm-hmm. Will you teach me how to go hunting? Will you teach me how to balance my checkbook? Will you teach me how to invest my money? Will you... You know, and, and literally you have to go seek out that direction and, and find it. And basically what, what you're doing, it's just like that kind of that investment idea. The more you invest early, the, the faster that interest builds, mm-hmm. right? That, that's the same thing. If you invest in yourself, in your discipleship, in your understanding of theology, in your ability to uh, pursue a trade or pursue a craft, mm. the faster you invest into that, the, the more return you're going to get it from it later yep. on, yep. right? You do that year, two, two, three year internship program, you crush it as a young man, and then boom, you could be a journeyman in whatever it is, five, yeah. seven years or something like that. You could be making big money. Yeah. You can go out on your own. <laughs> and eight, before you're 30 years old, you could have your own business, yep. you know, and you could be very, very successful. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that the ditches to avoid, I guess, if you're saying that this will help you advance at this season of life, one of the ditches that you could fall into is is the arrogance of youth and say, I don't need that. Like, I know better. You think you know everything. And you stop from reaching out and say, hey, I could use somebody else um, to, to speak into my life in this way that will help me get moving in the right direction. Yeah. And there's there's some good things that happens with your independence that, oh, man, I have a flat tire. I have to figure it out. But there's also a lot of dumb mistakes that you can avoid mm. if you got a man in, in your life that you can call. you got a missional community that you can call to, to help you do those things. Yeah. And I know as a young man, it would have been, I wish I would have had a missional community. Yeah. I wish I had those men in my life. I had my dad, but I wish I would have had other men that I could call on and help me. You know, how do I buy a house? How do yeah. I flip a house? How do I, you know, pour new concrete? How do I do all these different things? So I think as a single person, you need to be developing your team I would say that's your church family, developing the people around you yep. that, that can help resource you, and you need to be pouring yourself into some craft and leaning hard into becoming the man that God's called you to become. Yeah. Okay? Then, um, <clears throat> let's just say, obviously, you find the woman, you pursue her, you court her. Um, more than likely, most Christian relationships the date that, you know, the dating should be, you know, whatever, six months to a year, let's just say, and then probably another six months to a year, uh, you know, you're, 
before the wedding or something like that. So, you know, you could get married within six, let's just say six months to two years or something like that. Yep. A, a relatively shorter engagement t time uh, is what we're talking about. Um, that most Christians, that's what it looks like for, for most Christians, yep. right? Mm -hmm. Then you find yourself early married, right? Things change for the discipleship process again. You got different opportunities, different challenges. Yep. Opportunities, you now you got two people and you got potentially one house payment, right? Or one, uh, so, so you're going to have the, the pooling of resources. Hopefully the resource that you're going to have positive resources. It's not just pooling of debt. So that's one thing to think about as uh, if you're a single, if you're a single woman and you don't have a desire <clears throat> to have a career one day, I would think twice about going in. I would think more than twice. I would think 10 times uh, about going into debt for college education. Mm -hmm. I think college education is a great idea for some, and I, I'm all for education. I'm all for education for both men and women. We want our people to be highly educated, but going into debt for an, for an education that I'm probably not going to use and it's not going to bring a return, what I'm doing is when I'm getting married, I'm really strapping my husband down with a whole lot more debt. Yeah. And that's going to make it more difficult for him to provide for the family, and it's going to make it more difficult for her to justify staying home with the kids and, and loving the kids. So we get married, and we got all kind of challenges. Obviously, we're two individuals coming from different families, potentially different churches, different religious backgrounds, and we're going to have a lot of discipleship challenges mm -hmm. when it comes to relating to one another. For sure. Right? Yep. What's that, what's that look well, like? Well, you have to, there's some family uh, of origin stuff that you've got to work through. How, how are we going to establish our own unique household? So one, mm -hmm. one of the most, I guess there's a couple of uh, frequently um, challenging spots in marriage in the early years are how, how are you going to do finances? Um, what does budgeting look like? What are our values? How are we going to save? What's our spending look like? So you've got to get on the same page as far as that goes. And I think the other one is how did, what's it, what are our relationship with our in-laws going to look like? Mm -hmm. how, how, what are holidays going to be like? Because yeah. a lot of times that can be, depending on how far away you live from them, it can be a really challenging thing to navigate. And you've yeah. got expectations on this side and opposite expectations on the other side. And if you're inclined to wanting to please everybody at the end of the, the holiday season, Nobody's happy because yeah. mom and dad didn't get what they want. The in-laws didn't get the, what they want. You didn't get what you want because you right. didn't get to spend time with your own family or your wife or husband. And, and so those are things that um, oftentimes in those early years of, of figuring out and the whole leaving and cleaving aspect of marriage of, you know, a man is to, to leave his family, a wife is to leave her, his, her family, and the two are to come as one flesh together and establish a new household. How are we going to do things? I know I did this. I know you did this. Here's how we're going to operate. Mm -hmm. And it takes a little bit of time to work out the kinks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another challenge I, I've, I've seen a lot in my ministry is a couple gets married and they don't have kids yet, and so they get, and I think rightly so. Amanda and I, we, we said we want to wait two years before we have kids just because I needed time. We had an apartment. I wanted to get us a house. Uh, I needed to raise my income. I needed to do better in my career. And so I said, man, I don't know if I can, like I'm learning to support you and to support us and to buy a house. I don't think we can, I can support kid right now, so let's wait two years. And so we waited two years, and we focused on our relationship, developing all those rhythms that you talked about, how we do holidays, how we do finances, growing my business, 
getting us a house. And, but one of the things I've, I've seen in, in my ministry is that many times um, people get stuck in this season right mm-hmm. here because it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Potentially, you've got two, two incomes. incomes. you got two incomes and yeah. no kids. You're, yeah, right. you're a dink, right? <laughs> Dual income, no kids. And you can go on vacations and you can buy cars and you can, mm. I mean, you can go out to eat all the time, like mm. literally. Just playing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have so much free time. We can do everything together. It was, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was a wonderful time. Yeah. It was a great two years great of, of life. But obviously the command of God is to be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. And we all wanted kids. We wanted at least four kids, man and I both. And so then we we step into this this new season. So I think the challenge is for young, newly married is to keep the mission of God the focus. Like, yes, you're building a career and you've got to hone in on that and you need to get your finances under control and you probably need to get a, a place where you can live. And But don't, don't go the way of the world and spend all your excess money on stuff you don't need, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Fancy cars, fancy clothes, fancy vacations. No, keep investing it, obviously tithing into things of God, but also into you know, your future. Right. And I think time management too goes into that. Cause you could spend your whole time focus on this household, but how does this household fit into the larger family of God? So a lot of times people can say, Oh, well, we just need the season to really focus on us. And maybe you see them once or twice a month on Sunday mornings. They're not really engaged in missional communities, but you really need those relationships. You need that yeah. missional community family to come around you in those seasons to help you learn what it looks like mm-hmm. to be a husband, to be a wife. The best thing for a, a married couple is to be in a missional community with wise, seasoned, godly married couples. Yeah. That can help them. You will go round and round and round in fights and arguments and disagreements with just you two yeah. because you have the your own collective wisdom and that's mm-hmm. it. Yep. When you get in a room with five or six other couples, the collective wisdom has quadrupled, oh, yeah. if not more, yep. right? And, and so I think they always help you, like, even with roles, right? Like, in the home, like, well, at my house, my, my mom did majority of the stuff, and I didn't really have to do those things. And then this person's like, well, I had to do all the chores, so I don't want to do that many chores. Like, who's going to cook? You know, who's going to clean? Um, and then even, like, the sexual piece of, like, what that would look like um, yep. for, the, for the marriage. Yep. So that's early marriage. And then let's, then you move on. You, you have some young kids, right? Another, now this is where, man, that young, just you two married just gets smacked in the face if you throw a couple little kids in that mm-hmm. situation. Because now you've got sickness, you've got crying, you've got lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. I always laugh because, I mean, it's terrible, but You thought you were busy before. Yeah. You thought you were busy before, and now you got a bunch of little kids, and somehow you're supposed to operate on four to five hours of sleep. Yeah. You still got the same requirements at work, you know, and you've got to operate on less sleep. And so this really is a challenge. One of the biggest challenges is babysitters. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'll just say it, like, young families need a night away, you know, at least once or twice a month. You need to have someone watch your kids. Another reason to be a part of a missional community, somebody that you can trust and whatever. But you need to get away from, from your kids for a little while and focus on the marriage because the marriage is always more important than the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? One day the kids, you're raising them to leave, 
and the and you're going to be there with your husband and or wife looking at them and going, uh-oh, I've seen, <laughs> I can't tell you how many people I've had to counsel mm-hmm. that the man, once they have kids, the man focuses on his career because he knows he's got to make more money to provide for them, yep. and the woman fo- focuses on the kids, and they spend 20 years yeah. neglecting the marriage yep. and focusing on the kids, and they think, oh, it'll be fine, and then the kids leave, and all of a sudden, usually she has... Well, sometimes he has a midlife crisis. That looks different. And she has a midlife crisis. Who am I? What am I? Who are you? We don't even like each other anymore. Mm-hmm. And many marriages crumble under yep. the weight of that because they didn't start with when we've got young kids and everything's chaos, we still have to put our marriage first. Yep. Mm-hmm. One way of doing that, we're going to hear this over and over, staying a part of a missional community. Mm-hmm. Find a babysitter. Yep. Make it a priority. Get here on Sunday morning. Like... Things are going to come up. Babies are going to get sick. All that stuff's going to happen, but you've got to you've got to make it a priority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> All right. Any other things with married with young kids? You got? Well, this is really the stage where um, everything starts to come full circle, right? If you think, if we want to say it charitably, in terms of generational sin, you know, the the habits that we have as kids. And that gave our parents gray hairs or a lot of times the things that we're going to start seeing in our kids, um, which <clears throat> as an evidence of grace gives us an idea of how to, how to navigate it, right? And so again, leaning into the community and, and recognizing, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. It's easy, yeah. I think, for kids, parents with young children um, to get into that mentality that's like, oh man, this is, this is such a novel and a new thing. And it's like, no, if you if you look back over your life, I will almost guarantee you had similar tendencies towards your parents, right? And so the the joke in our house specifically, it's like, if I talk to my parents about something that's happened, they're like, oh, yep, here's five examples of when you did this, right? Yeah. And so being able, and, and again, this is the importance of community. And, and I think all of our kids are going to have the blessing of growing up in a community so that, hey, if you're in an MC kind of that, that second generation of, of Christians at Sacred City, they're in an MC and they'll be able to say to the wise seasoned Christians, man, you know, like X, Y, and Z, my kids just did. And those people will be able to say, yep, you did that too, mm-hmm. right? So Yeah. And uh, so, and again, what we talked about earlier, now mm-hmm. when you got these little kids, you're the one investing in them. You're the one discipling them. You're the yep. one teaching them the Proverbs. You're the one teaching them, you know, uh, the gospel, mm-hmm. all these different things, and wanting to do better than your parents did for you, unless you had a superb example and you know exactly what to do, follow their advice. But if you didn't, now's the time where I, you got to read. You got to read books. You got to yeah. learn. I would suggest don't start with new books, yeah. like fad parenting. Yeah. Look around at the world. Most of the kids are not going well right now. Mm-hmm. Gentle parenting, co-sleeping, all of this kind of stuff. Don't go there. Mm. Start. We need to find some like 400-year-old books, like some old-timey parenting books, and we need to read those principles because that's when they were actually producing godly, uh, virtuous kids, right? Mm-hmm. So reject newer stuff. Go back to the old ways. Go back to the old paths. I don't think things really change too much. I haven't noticed too much change with elementary age kids. Things really change once you get teenagers. Mm-hmm. And let's start with the positives first. First off, you got a built-in babysitter. Mm-hmm. Boom. <laughs> Game changer. And we had, I mean, I think I spent like 11 years or maybe 10 years uh, paying a babysitter for Missional Community Night, you know? And then all of a sudden, 
my son could babysit. And I'm like, let's go. Yeah. Now it's like, we'll be right back. <laughs> well, it just all goes to car insurance. You always now. say that yeah, two true. hours later. Yeah. So we got you got built-in babysitters. So again, man, that's great. We date night, missional community night, stuff that comes up at the church. Um, it's it's awesome. And and this is good for them as well. They're learning responsibility. Uh, we do pay them. We, we we do pay our kids. You know, basically, it's like an allowance, but we're paying them to yeah. do that. But they, when they're when we're when we leave, they got to clean the house. They got to do the dishes. They got to act like a good babysitter. The whole deal. Entertain the kids. Can't be on their phones. Mm-hmm. The the whole thing. We're trying to raise them to be godly, responsible young kids. So that's yeah. a that's a joy. But one of the challenges that we have noticed um, of discipleship for us during the teenage years is the amount of extracurricular activities that the kids are involved in becomes incessant and overwhelming. Now, we originally said from the very young age, we said, hey, you guys can be in one sport each, Mm -hmm. one sport each. And we pretty much stuck with that. And it's worked fairly well. Oh, this person's got to practice this night. This person's got to practice that night. Now, one thing, my son is 16, so he can drive himself most places. Mm -hmm. But right now, I have five kids, and four of them are in a winter sport right Mm -hmm. now. So my son's wrestling, and then my daughter's playing uh, volleyball, and my other two are playing basketball. And it is insane. You know, and we're we're not doing travel like, you know, AAU and all this kind of stuff with multiple games a week. But it, it becomes or overwhelming. There's school events. There's school events. Every yeah. single night, mm. it's either a practice or a, a game, and it becomes it becomes really difficult. And mm. and you have to fight to keep missional community a priority during during that season, mm-hmm. right? It's a real it's real really difficult. And so that means it's more difficult to be an MC leader when you're like in your 40s, yeah. because when you got little kids, they don't have any, they don't have any events. Yeah. These little kids don't really have any events. Maybe they're on the weekends, but I could, you know, I, one thing I used to do all the time was just like, yeah, we can meet at seven 30. Why? I put my kids to bed at seven 30. We can smoke a cigar. We can talk. We can, I can meet anybody at seven 30. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the case anymore. Right. And my kids have wrestling meets and basketball games and all these different things. So it becomes a real challenge to live life on life discipleship. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, it can be done. Mm-hmm. You just have to be intentional about it, and you've got to be okay, and you've got to raise up emerging leaders. If you're an MC leader, you've got to raise up emerging leaders that can cover for you while you're, while you're not there, if yep. you can't make it. Like my kids now, my daughter's basketball games, of course, are on Tuesday nights. So I've got a period in the next, I think, five weeks, I think I've got, I'm going to miss like four MCs or something mm-hmm. like that. And that's not ideal. We don't want that, but it is... It is what it is. It's seasonal. It's a, but it's a challenge. It's definitely yeah. a challenge. <clears throat> but the opportunity of the season, if we do it right, if we keep with our own discipleship practices and we're pouring into our teenage kids, the, the investments that we can make right now, right before their, the teenage years are right before they're out into the world. Yep. You know, these investments are going to pay off big. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's that's the goal. They're going to multiply our future impact. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. My kids are already talking. My daughters, I want five kids. I want six kids. I'm (laughs) like, oh, my goodness. Let's go. I'm excited about it. (laughs) But that think about like just the the impact that would have. 
-hmm. You know, that's a lot of Christians running around, mm -hmm. right? That's good. Yeah. All right. So then we move into married with adult children. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm not there yet. Nobody in this room is there yet, <laughs> nope. right? Here is one of the challenges that I've witnessed at, at Sacred City. Well, we didn't even bring, I didn't bring this up, but oftentimes when people get married, they're not going to church. They're, they're spending all their time on themselves. They're traveling. They don't want to get involved. Then they have kids. Now all of a sudden they go, oh, we need to get our kids involved in, involved in church, yep. right? I want my kids to be raised moral. So they get them involved in church. Now here's the problem with that mentality. What I've seen many people do is do that. And then once the kids get out of the house, mm. they leave church. Mm. They go right back to the way they were living before they had kids. I'll be honest. I question if those people are Christians. Sure. They might have spent 20 years in church, but they, from the outside looking in, it looks like the only reason they went to church was to give their kids a moral upbringing. Yeah. And then so once the kids get out of the house and you're married with adult children, the temptations go back to those early days of marriage where, yeah. hey, man, maybe you got debt. Maybe you're paying for kids' uh, school loans. Just double down on work. Yep. You know what? Maybe mom needs to get a job now too. Mom goes back to work. And then we just go back into that, hey, you know, we need a vacation. We've been working really hard. We need another, we need another vacation. We need another vacation. Or we need, a, you know, a nicer car. We need, and it becomes self-focused again, mm -hmm. right? Self-focused again. And I've noticed many people pull out of community. You see them once a month. You see them once every two months. Mm -hmm. They pull back from community. Right when... When, you have, when you're married and you have adult children, you are in the sweet spot of life. You have learned a lot. You have a lot of wisdom. Hopefully, you've gained a lot of theological understanding from church and from the Bible and your own personal discipleship. You, have, you should understand the ways of the world a little bit. You are prime to pour back into the, a, a younger generation. Definitely to see that young couple come into your mission or community, have them over for dinner, start talking to them about how to raise kids yeah. or whatever it is, you know, like, like, and it's a, it's a, it's a detriment to the church when the people who have the most resources, right? You're probably in your fifties or late forties and you've probably got more disposable income than you've ever had. If your kids are on their own and mm -hmm. out, right. You're probably at the top, top point of your career and you've got more disposable in income, you've got more wisdom, more insight, and you are a vital part of the church, and too many people break off and go do their own thing and spend their, you know, spend this, these years just on themselves, right? Mm. That's a real challenge. Mm. But the opportunity is to use that place that God, your station in life where God has you in your late 40s, early 50s, to now begin to pour back into the next generation. Yeah. Mm. I remember when I turned 40, I made a conscious decision to start pouring into the next generation. And that's when I started the pastoral residency for you guys. The, the, you know, I wanted to invite guys in to start pouring into. That it's not about me and my ministry. It's about pouring into the next generation and, the ki and our kids and raising up that, that next mm, generation. Yeah, 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 that's good. Well, then you get the next stage of life, which is empty nesters. 
And empty nesters is basically married with adult children on steroids. Mm-hmm. Once the kids are out of the house, once the kids are completely gone, you know, or whatever, hopefully they're still in the community. Hopefully they're still here and you can still do family dinners and you can still do, you know, weekly Sabbath nights. That's what we do. Uh, Sabbath dinners. And you can have your kids in your home and maybe they're bringing their grandkids and you can still be discipling your kids and still discipling your grandkids, though that would look, that looks a little different. But being an empty nester is, is the same thing we talked about before. This is your opportunity to go and pursue the next generation, the younger men and women. Mm. There's commands in the scriptures for the older women to teach the younger women how to respect their husbands and how to keep their home. Yeah. And so the older ladies in the church, that is a command from God. Come alongside some of those young women, befriend them, help them, teach them how to get through the early years of of raising kids, teach them how to love and submit to their husband well, how to respect him, teach them how, whatever it is they need, teach them, right? That's a unique season. And now listen, we don't have enough of those people at Sacred City, but it's important that so people like me who are in my mid-40s now and we're growing up into it, that's what we're growing up into. Yeah. And we want, we want to be those type of people when we get there. Yep. We don't want to be those type of people that just, you know, disappear for months on end, right? And just go and spend our inheritance traveling the country in an RV or, or just take, not, you, not that you can't ever do that one summer or something like that, but just to consistently check out of your own personal discipleship and the discipleship of others. Mm-hmm. That's a sin. That's a sin. Mm. Like we shouldn't be thinking, oh yeah, I'll just take several months off from church or I'll just take several months off of discipling other people yeah. every single year. Like, no, we need to be leaning in. We have more free time. We have more money. We have more opportunity. We need to be leaning in now and not just thinking about retirement that's coming. Right. <clears throat> All right. Next one, we'll get to it, retired. Sam, what do you think? What are some challenges and opportunities of being retired? Oh, I, I think about John Piper's sermon about is it don't waste your life, about going to the beach, moving away from the place where you raised your kids, and just settling for finding she- seashells all your, the rest of your days. You know, just this quiet content. I mean, it still has a lot to do with what you were just talking about with the, the challenges of the temptations of that emptiness that you you kind of broke away. You don't have a job holding you here anymore. You've got income, hopefully saved. That there seems to be some freedom of where you, you know, go wherever the wind blows you. And I think to detach, again, like, uh, like we've said with the last couple stages, is, is such a travesty, such a disservice to the church. And it's not that you can't move or, any, you know, it's like maybe there's some situation where that's a, a legitimate thing. But Usually it's still to invest. You want to be mindful of your grandkids. Where's the rest of your family at? Maybe jobs took them away. And so is that an opportunity to be closer to them, uh, to invest in a local church in that context? But I think there's a lot of opportunities or temptations to just squander, like the time, the resources, um, the wisdom that you have that is terrible disservice. Yeah. I'll just go on record to say I don't think, in one sense, I don't think retirement is a biblical idea. Okay. Now, can you retire from your job? And t- yeah, of course you can. But the idea that now I'm done working. Yeah, I have no responsibility. And I'm just going to sit around and watch TV or I'm going to go fly fishing every day or go wherever. I, I, don't, I don't see that idea anywhere in scripture. Mm-hmm. I think we should be industrious until the end of our days. H- however long God allows us to be on this planet and be functional and be able to you know, operate, we should. 
And so, yeah, you could retire from your corporate job, but man, maybe that would be a great opportunity to now start working for the church, yeah. you know, or come in and work for free or come yeah. in and work and start a new nonprofit or sure. serve the city in some capacity or help your kids raise their, you know, raise their kids or help your kids invest in that business or help, you know, or, or help men in the church, you know, in whatever your expertise was. As it becomes this opportunity that you don't have to go to work anymore, which is amazing. You don't have to go to work anymore. But what would I do if I didn't have to go to work? And the I, man, the concept of just, you know, putter around in the garage all day and, and have the most immaculate lawn on the on the neighbor in the neighborhood, that's a really low goal. Mm-hmm. Right? You you could make disciples. Yeah. You could fund church planting. Like you could work to renew the city. There's a lot, and I think we need to get this boomer, you know, idea of oh, I'm going to retire and then move off and just play golf every day. Yeah, man, that you're wasting your life. You're yeah. wasting the end, which could be 30, 40 years. Yeah, you know, it could be literally. My grandpa has been married, has been, uh, has been retired for like thirty, at least thirty-five years. Wow, you know, mm. and my grandpa did. He moved to Alabama, bought the top of a mountain. And tinkered the rest of his life, basically. That's what he, that's what he's done. And I don't I don't want that for my life. I don't see that in scripture. I think we can be fruitful and multiply to the end of our days, mm. right? Yeah. And and as grandparents, you, if you're a grandparent now, think about like your kids. They struggle to find babysitters, right? Mm. Like I was just talking about teenage years. It's hard to get to. We have to make decisions on it. We can't go to that basketball game because we got another one over here. Yep. We we split up, and she goes to that one, and I go to this one. And we still got kids that, that don't have parents at their at their event. Mm-hmm. So grandparents could step in, go to those athletic events, help take their, you know, you know, be chauffeurs and, and carry their kids around. There's a lot of opportunities there. Yep. And, of course, there's just a lot of opportunities at the church to serve the church in different capacities yep. that you could step in and and really help, you know, serve the church in some capacity, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. And then we're just going to lump this one kind of together. And that is, I'm just going to put it in the declining years. I'm just going to say just the declining years. And I had a guy stop me on Sunday because I talked about um, our identity as servants and Jesus serving the disciples and how we got a lot of opportunities to serve people this past week with, with, the, with the snow and everything and pulling people out of ditches and all kind of stuff. And he said, you know, that was my gift and that's what I love to do. And now because of my declining health, I just can't do it. And I feel, I feel like a loser kind of is what he says. And that is the reality of life. There is going to come a time where just like when we were children, you're going to need to be served Mm -hmm. and you're not going to be able to serve other people as well as you want. And the idea there is, To, to be a gracious man or woman, not bitter, not clinging to your old life, not, you know, with this tight knuckled grip on, I can do it myself, I can still drive, I can still shovel, I can still do these things. But to release these things to God and say, I'm in a new season of discipleship, I'm in a new season of life, and now I I'm, I'm really am preparing to die. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I am doing. God's preparing me to go to glory. Mm-hmm. And I want these last years of my life to be used pouring relationally into whoever I can, being thankful for the service that's being provided to me by caregivers or my kids or my grandkids or whatever it is, and 
giving my kids and grandkids a picture of what it looks like to go into glory with joy and hope. Yeah. Yeah. And that, of course, means I need to get my finances. My finances need to be in order. I need to get a will made. I need to make sure that I'm not leaving a bunch of money to a stupid to a stupid kid. Like that's like there's kids that need biblically to be cut out of the will. If you have a stupid and rebellious son, you should not give your money or resources to that son. And so there's like big decisions. You don't want to leave if there's animosity with the kids. You don't want to leave that whole mess to them. You want to work with a lawyer, you know, and get all that stuff figured out before you go. Mm. Get your stocks, get all your stuff in a safe somewhere, Mm. get everything, you know, divvied up exactly how you want to divvy it up so there's not chaos and drama after you go. And, of course, if you're going to be leaving a spouse behind, uh, preparing for them as well. So this idea just was been running through my head. Like every single stage of life, the opportunities and challenges Mm. of discipleship look different, Mm -hmm. right? And we need to, I think it's good to think about them while we're in them, but it's also think about them before we get into them. Right. Yeah. You know, we can read up, we can study, we can find some mentors to help us walk through these yeah. and face the challenges and seize those opportunities. You guys got anything else? That's good. Cool. All right, guys, hopefully this was helpful to you. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless. Thank you.